Hi, it's Rod Rorick, Rorick Knows Podcast. We're talking about eyes, and we're talking about fillers and Botox and all these amazing things that help you look as good as you feel. And I have a world expert, an oculoplastic surgeon, Dr. Jose Montes, who is a professor of oculoplastic surgery at the University of Puerto Rico, a good friend, very, very superb surgeon and a superb educator. So, Jose, welcome. Thank you, Rod. Thank you for having me here. I'm so honored. No, it's great to have you. So let's talk about, you know, the neuromodulators. And I always, when I say Botox, I always mean it generically. There's many different FDA-approved neuromodulators. So, so what's the best way to get a non-surgical eyelid rejuvenation, Jose? Well, the best way to give a non-surgical eyelid or periocular rejuvenation yes. is to combine neurotoxins yep. and when we talk about neurotoxins there are four approved by fda right both dyspore zeomine juvo and now daxify so there are five yep. and of course volume volume yep. preservation or injection volume injection with injectable implants or fillers mm-hmm. if we're talking about the upper eyelid many times the way I approach neurotoxins or Botox or Juvo or Xeomine is by looking at the patient's symmetry between the eyebrows, the eyebrow position, and the relation between the eyelids. And with neurotoxin, if you are an expert injector, you may be capable of first making the eyebrows even and changing the position of the eyebrows for the betterment of the patient. If the patient has hooding, meaning that the eyebrows are going into this direction, of course, I can change my pattern of neurotoxin injections to make them in a better position or do a lateral lifting. That's very powerful. I don't look at neurotoxin as a a wrinkle eraser. Uh, Instead, I look at neurotoxin as shaping some facial structures that may give the patient symmetry and a better position of some structures, such as the eyebrows. That's where we're all said. And of course, you know, the power of the neuromodulators is that you can precisely placed you can elevate one eyebrow more than the other and as you know every everybody's got a big eye and a small eye so it's very important to have an expert like what jose is talking about and and we do that every day when i'm doing uh, a botox to the to the face and it's so important to do that i mean and and i know you're going to show some patients with that so so how do you shape the face and the brows i mean I know you talked a little bit about it with the with the brows and the uh, and the eyelids and and what you said is so important. You don't treat you know it's not about the crow's feet. It's about the shaping that's important. Okay, I first I'm very because of my subspecialty in oculofacial surgery, and very meticulous in patient assessment. And you know we we look around us and there is a wide full array of patients with different features right sometimes you see people that has and you said oh what big eyes they have sometimes i mean we all have the same size of eyes (laughs) but the eyes rest in this cavity in the orbit in our skull some people have a deeper cavity 
So they look, you look at them and they have deep set eyes. So their eyes look smaller. If you have a patient, for example, that they have deep set eyes, those patients usually is very tempting because they usually have like an upper eyelid sulcus. Mm -hmm. It's very tempting to feel them. But actually, I try to look at the neighboring structures, at the temples right. for the set eye patients, because usually those patients will have a prominent brow bone and a sunken temple. Right. So you address the temple in this area instead of feeling the upper eyelid, because therefore you will make the eye look smaller. Yep. It's truly magical. I mean, I must say, injecting the temples is just like an epiphany, I think. You know, you're going from outer to inner. Don't you think? It's it's amazing what it does. I'm obsessed with them, too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, that that's great. Well, that let's bridge to the next hot topic is the biostimulators. I know uh, we talk a lot about it elsewhere in the face, but how, how do you utilize it around the periocular area or periorbital area? Okay, I think we, we should start by probably defining biostimulators yes. for your audience because none of them, no. I mean, not all of them are doctors. A biostimulator is an agent that you will inject and you will get a controlled reaction or controlled inflammation that will bring cells into the area that hopefully will make uh, or produce collagen and elastin. Right. Collagen and elastin is the support that we have in our skin right. or outside the cells in our what we call extracellular matrix. And um, by having collagen and elastin, we all know that we have instant youthness in our face or, or in our skin. So if we inject <clears throat> By a stimulant agent, we are creating or we are promoting the collagen production and elastin production. We are not injecting a product just to occupy a volume. Right. We are injecting a product with a dual benefit, probably volume um, um, increased, increased, but also a skin thickness improvement. Yep. And you're using them primarily outside the ocular area, right? You're using them in the temples and then. Yes, we don't have a specific biostimulant agents yet. And of course, non-approved by FDA for injecting precisely at the periocular area. But I do inject a biostimulant agent called PLLA Sculptra. I injected in a very specific zones at the mid face, at the bone here, between two ligaments, the orbital retaining ligaments and the zygomaticus cutaneous ligaments. I know that's very technical. <laughs> Just think that I'm injecting between that vicinity, between the lower eyelid and the mid face. And by injecting, impacting with that stimulant, biostimulant agent there, I basically improve the transition between the lower eyelid and the mid face. I'm not saying that I'm injecting the tear trough with PLLA. I'm saying that sometimes the transition between the lower eyelid and the mid face, if, it's, if it, that transition is abrupt, 
yep. or has a clear demarcation that makes patients look unrested. And that's usually what they complain for. And we can inject selectively on bone deep in that area and that improvement will impact the whole area. Yeah. Well, that, and we have many examples and we are going to show a video of this injection okay. and you will see the patients. You will believe me. I know. I've seen it. No, it's great. It's beautifully done. And I think bio, the biostimulators are a really hot topic. But really, I think they're the foundation for the future of, of really inducing collagenesis in the area. So let's close because we've talked about all these great things. Who is not a candidate? for fillers or neuromodulators in the area. And I think that's important, you know, I think, for our viewers to know. You know, if you're coming in and you're, you know, you're whatever age you are, and all of a sudden you have full tear troughs and bags in your lower eyelids and extra skin, you're okay. not, you're that's, not that's a That's a candidate. great question. Yeah. You're on point, Rod, because actually in the past two or three years, the industry has already approved two fillers for the tear trough right. or the infraorbital hollow, and there is one that is going to be approved before the end of this year. Yep. <clears throat> so we are having three approvals for a tear trough injection or infraorbital hollow, and interestingly, um, experts like myself, we are injecting less tear trough nowadays. I am too. And why is that? Because we have found that the treatment can be unpredictable. What I mean is that you can get a good result right after the treatment, but then months after or even a year after, you get a patient with a tindal or edema or a chronic edema, meaning right. a patient that had a good effect at the beginning and then develop swelling. So actually, and very precise or picky, if you want to say, in selecting the patient. Who is the ideal patient for tear trough or infraorbital hollow treatment? The patient that has a clear demarcation. <clears throat> Usually that is present in the early ages or is a congenital finding for those patients. Right. Patient that has thicker skin, think about men, they are usually better candidates than women, and patients that don't have a lot of fat. If right. they have a lot of fat show on the lower lid, they are better surgical candidates. Don't do injectables because things may get complicated. Yes, and that's, those are kind words because I see those every day, and I, I, I inject far less fillers into the tear troughs than ever before, and yet it does worry me because we have all these indications, and they're all done well-done studies, but the key is who is an injectable candidate. I agree. Younger patients, thicker skin, minimal tear trough, maybe congenital, no fat, and certainly not a full tear trough. Those are surgical candidates. And even then, they're hard to get the correction of the tear trough. And the other thing we know is that, you know, hyaluronic acid fillers aren't necessarily reversible all the time. And they last a long time, especially in areas where there's not much dynamic muscle motion. So, and you just don't can't really remove it just with hyaluronidase. I mean, there are, there are studies coming out that shows that it, it may impact the lymphatic channel going laterally, and that contributes to lymphedema of the lower eyelid. So know before you go. Those are wise words. So, so tell us in wrapping up, and it's been very educational here, what are the three things a consumer should know about having 
fillers to the eyelids. I mean, obviously they're all approved. There's these FDA approved ones, but don't you think probably finding the injector that really knows what to do and where to do it and how little to put in is important? Well, I think that what the consumer should know is that not everybody is a candidate for filler. Please remember that fillers are not lifting agents. Great. Okay. We, I think we have conveyed the wrong message to our patients and to the general public. And pe people come to our clinics looking for lifting effects by injecting fillers on the upper face. That's not going to happen. Yep. For that, you have experts such as the um, board certified plastic surgeons and facial plastic surgeons. Fillers are here to stay, but they have very specific um, um, indications, okay? And for the periocular area, remember the fillers in the tear trough, young patient, clear demarcation, no fat, Great. no history of allergies or edema or chronic allergies, and no dark circles. Fillers right. are no for dark circles. Yeah, well, wise words, and that's why they're called fillers, not lifters. As a plastic surgeon, I always correct people when they take me, tell me about filling and lifting at the same time. So, fantastic advice from Dr. Jose Mantas. Thank you so much, Jose. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, and uh, I look forward to seeing you very soon, and thank you so much. Our viewers will love this. Give us your comments and questions and thoughts, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Roy Knows next time. Thank you. Thank All right. you.